Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Fed Speak, central banking's new podcast series delving into the Federal Reserve. My name is William Towning. Throughout the series, I'll be taking you on a trip across the 12 reserve banks to discuss some of the projects and developments underway in each region. With me in the studio today is Mary Suter, Assistant Vice President and Economic Education Officer at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Um, we will be discussing a topic that's that's a high priority for for many central uh, central banks and and many in the central banking community, financial inclusion and economic education. Uh, the St. Louis Fed is a leader in this field, with several initiatives aimed at teaching the teachers, improving the flow of women in economics, and building a pipeline of students in the field, um, with its impressive student board of directors. Um, for its efforts, uh, the Reserve Bank has, has won Central Banking's Financial Inclusion Award last year, um, and I had the, the the pleasure to congratulate Mary in person. So, uh, welcome, Mary. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, William. Thanks for having me. It's nice to speak with you again. Uh, before we start, I'd like to state that the opinions expressed here are mine and not those of the Federal Reserve System or the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. So again, thank you so much for having me. Great. So to, to start fairly broadly, um, why do we need economic ed- education? It's a, it's a key area that many central banks are, are active in, but, but why is this so important? Well, in my opinion, economic education is important because people need to uh, understand the economy in which they live, and they need to be able to um, make well-informed decisions, and economics teaches decision-making. From the perspective of uh, the Fed, um, St. Louis Fed leadership, along with other leaders in the Federal Reserve System, have spoken about the idea that economic decision-making aggregates up in the economy. So if we're making well-informed economic decisions as individuals, as employers, as lenders, as borrowers. Um, Those decisions aggregate up for a healthier economy, but if we're making poor decisions, the same result occurs. Um, So that's one aspect of it. And our bank president, Jim Bullard, has, has talked about the need for our constituents to understand the economic system in which they live and to have the tools they need to make well-informed personal finance decisions. So economic education is really important for those reasons. And in the U.S., the requirement to take an economics course, there, there isn't a, one in every state. Uh, there is, so there's the possibility that uh, you can graduate from high school in the United States having taken no economics courses um, and really having a relatively uh, uninformed idea about the economy and your role and how economic decision making can help you. Right. Okay. So it's about, I guess, sort of filling filling the gaps that 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 our education systems don't necessarily um, don't necessarily fill, um, and 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 help help building this, I guess, this baseline layer of of education of of economic issues and 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 personal finance. Um, Okay, great. And I understand that you've you've had sort of strong, dare I say, viral interest um, from uh, Native American citizens about a a new project that that you're embarking on at the the St. Louis Fed. Please, uh, yeah. please tell us a little bit about this and uh, this, I guess, exciting and, and new interest um, and and where it's come from. Oh, sure. Thank you. So um, we have a young woman who worked here in another department at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Megan Cruz, 
And Megan is a citizen of the Osage Nation. Okay. And in 2018, uh, she brought her principal chief, uh, the principal chief of the Osage, Chief Standing Bear, to meet our first vice president. And in their conversation, they discussed the need for financial literacy. So Megan met with me and members of my team to initiate some type of financial literacy program for the Osage. Um, Chief Standing Bear really believes that economic education is vital for the Osage. So we began the pilot there. We did a workshop for Osage early childhood educators, and we did some work with those who work with high school and middle school after school programs. And these were very successful. The people who participated were really um, very pleased with what we provided. And so as other t tribes began to learn about our work, they started reaching out to Megan. Uh, okay, so is is it about is it about the the economic education side, or is it more about sort of sort of the the financial inclusion side? I guess providing opportunities for 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 Native Americans to to get into the to the I guess economics profession, but but also into to other areas of of society. So it's both. So we are providing some financial right. literacy education for. Um, the teachers who work with Native um, students. Uh, so we're, we're providing some uh, workshops and programming for them and curriculum materials. And those materials cover economic decision-making and personal finance topics. Um, but we're also trying to open a pipeline for Native uh, Americans to learn about careers in economics, to learn about careers at the Fed, job opportunities, um, at the Fed, the kinds of employment that happens at Federal Reserve banks across the country. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, I mean, I, I've 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 seen this in in other areas uh, or other other central banks are, are are grappling with this issue. I can sort of think of the the Reserve Bank of New Zealand and its its Maori outreach efforts to help, I guess, broaden the the public understanding of of the central bank and and encourage greater inclusion into these. Or from these traditionally underrepresented underrepresented groups, um, is is there a, a, an underlying issue? Do you think in in the U.S. Um, with with regard to, to Native Americans and and economic education and, and sort of financial inclusion? And is this something that that you're hoping to to solve with with this new program? Uh, yes, so there there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of statistics that describe uh, the native population and, and um, those identify issues with financial capability um, and financial understanding. Um, the Finra Foundation and the First Nations Development Institute uh, released a, a report on race and financial capability in America. And um, within that, they identified Native Americans as having a higher level of financial fragility and distress than any other group in the U.S. Um, and they also pointed to the notion that Native Americans are less likely to learn about managing finances from their parents and that they have a lower level of confidence when it comes to managing their money. Um, they're less likely to use mainstream financial services products, uh, more likely to use alternative products such as payday loans. Um, and particularly with uh, Native American women, 59% um, of them are considered financially fragile. So all of those things point to the need uh, for that. And um, the U.S. Census Bureau uh, released information that 
26.2% of American Natives and Alaska, Alaska Natives lived in poverty in 2016. Gosh. And that's the highest rate for any race group in the U.S. Um, so there's a lot of evidence that, that this is really needed in, in these communities. And I think that uh, the chiefs and uh, governors of these tribes and organizations have come to recognize this as an issue. Gosh, those are some pretty stark numbers. Um, I guess, I guess my question would be on that is is how how do you approach it differently? Obviously, the there are several factors which are which you just described, which are how Native Americans are, are, are fitting into society and and um, how they're how they're disadvantaged um, by a lot of a lot of society. Um, like you said, the they're they're less likely to to learn economics of their parents and 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 so forth. How how does that change your approach compared to your typical teacher or, or student audience? Um. So we um, we work really closely uh, with um, Megan, uh, who currently works full time for us now, um, and with each individual uh, tribe or nation to um, to identify any sensitivities, any issues we should be aware of uh, with uh, curriculum materials that we're using or right, um, okay. uh, our topics that we're covering so that we uh, cover them in a way that the teachers we're working with will feel comfortable talking about that topic with their students. Um, so for example, uh, where we might have on a um, in a curriculum for kids preparing for college, that they should ask their parents if they um, have saved uh, money for the students to go to college. And in talking with not just uh, Native Americans, but also with other underrepresented minorities, that's a really sensitive question. Mm. And so we've, uh, we've pulled that out um, and, and tried to address that, that in another way, um, because <clears throat> the parents wouldn't necessarily uh, talk, be, be comfortable talking to their kids about that. So, I mean, that's just one example of things that we, we, but we try to be culturally sensitive. Um, sometimes if the tribe uh, has a, a native language, a written language, we try to incorporate some of that into our lessons. Uh, again, um, making it more comfortable for uh, the, the teachers and the students using the material. So small things like that that might um, make it more palatable uh, for yeah. uh, people to absorb the information. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and have you had any early successes? Sort of how how far through the process are you? Well, um, so we've done work with the Osage, and we continue to work with in, in the tribes in Oklahoma. Um, there are uh, thirty nine tribes in Oklahoma, so we continue to work with a number of tribes there. Um, we are working to provide financial education, but we're also uh, beginning uh, to look for opportunities to provide information about employment across Federal Reserve Banks. So we're really um, we're really at the beginning stages of this, um, and so we you know we had our pilot, and now Megan's working with us full time. So we're scoping out a plan for this first year, and then where we might go um, in future years. Um, Megan's also done some outreach with um, uh, tribes in Florida, and um, there's been interest uh, with tribes in the North Pacific Northwest. So we're, you know, we're scoping this out and 
I guess, trying to take one bite of the elephant at a time. Yeah, you yeah. Might say. Yeah. Okay, and and I guess is there is there appetite, or I'm just sort of touching on a couple of things that you mentioned, sort of working with other reserve banks, and and there's there's obviously Native Americans not just within your within your region. So um, is there is there scope and appetite for sort of broadening this on a on a sort of a national national scale? Yes, absolutely. So that's one of the um, one of the pieces of this, and having Mar- Megan with us full time, uh, we are extending, expanding our outreach, but in partnership with other Federal Reserve banks. So we're working with colleagues in Atlanta very closely, um, and this year we'll be expanding to our colleagues in Dallas, Kansas City, and hopefully San Francisco. Uh, so we'll begin to move this uh, into a very um, collegial partnership where we're all working toward the same goal across the across the country. Oh, awesome! Yes, it's it's fairly fast moving. I know from from our previous conversations, you've had sort of successes in 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 other areas, and and I alluded to them a, a little bit about this at the, at the start with uh, your your women in economics um, conferences and and your student board of directors. Um, these have been these have been successful policies already, and 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 I understand that you're now doing some some work with the the Philadelphia Fed and the the Atlanta Fed in in other areas to to Native Americans. So it'd be it'd be great to hear a little bit more about these. I guess to to start with the the work that you're doing with the the Philadelphia um, and Atlanta Fed. What what have you guys been up to? So uh, well, thank you. So we have a, a, a strong partnership with Atlanta and Philadelphia. Um, they share our approach uh, to economic education, which is to pri- provide teacher education and high-quality classroom resources. Right. So because we ser- share that same approach, it's really, um, really easy for us to partner on projects and programs. So we're currently engaged in developing a pilot that will roll out this summer, um, and we have been working together uh, to develop curriculum for fifth grade, middle school, and high school economics curriculum and to plan this summer program where teachers from um, the three Fed districts uh, will meet in St. Louis for an intensive um, economic education content program, um, but also learn about the curriculum. And then they'll be asked to deliver that curriculum uh, to their students in the 2020-2021 school year. And as part of that, been working very closely with my colleague Andrew Hill in Philadelphia and my colleague Amy Hennessy in, in Atlanta. And as part of that project, um, Andrew has created an assessment and evaluation plan that includes pre and post testing students on the content knowledge, as well as attitudinal surveys for teachers and students regarding uh, their thoughts about teaching and learning economics. Um, so really, uh, these folks, uh, Amy Hennessy and Andrew Hill, are phenomenal to work with, and we've really been very lucky to have the opportunity to work with them. Um, we also work with Princeton Williams in Atlanta and Scott Walla here on my team in doing this work, and it's very exciting. Um, we're really looking forward to the pilot. Oh, awesome. And and what sort of content, I guess, might be a, a silly question, but, but is it is it sort of teaching teaching students about the Federal Reserve and, and interest rates and, and monetary policy or is it 
I guess, wider than that in, in terms of exchange rates and, and, and other economic theories and, and policies. So it's broader than uh, Fed, the Fed and monetary policy. Um, it includes what I would call fundamental economic content about scarcity, right, okay, opportunity yeah. cost, decision making, but also micro supply and demand markets, and then macro content, uh, GDP, unemployment, the Fed, and some trade. So broad uh, spectrum of content. But also each unit has some, uh, devote some time to having students understand uh, careers in economics, the kinds of work people do with economics degrees, and why studying economics can be valuable as a career option, but also valuable to you as an informed citizen. And I guess the sort of the, the, the final part of the, the episode, um, it'd be interesting to, to hear your, as someone that's been working in economic education for, for over 30 years, I believe, I wanted to, to just hear your, your insight into to where economic education might be going and, and perhaps where you think it, it, it should be going. Um, so sort of looking back at potentially the programs that, that you've successfully run and, and, and not so successfully, successfully run, um, I guess, firstly, what advice would you give to other central banks wanting to, to do more in this, this, this area? Um, I guess, what's the most effective approach or, or, or even how best to focus limited time and resources? Um, there, are, there are a lot of smaller central banks that, that I guess, don't have the, the resources that the, the Federal Reserve has, um, but, are, but are very keen on, on doing this work. So I'm sure that there'll be, there'll be listeners out there which will, which will find this really, really helpful. Well, as I mentioned earlier, our approach, uh, because we, we do have resources, but they're still limited, um, we really tend to focus on teacher education and high-quality materials. And we do that because going directly into the classroom and talking to students, you get one, one shot at that. You go in, and then the following year, you have to go back to that school and talk to the next group of students. And so we really approach this with the idea that if teachers understand the economic content and they have high-quality materials to deliver the content in the classroom, they can teach students year after year. But more important, uh, they understand the content well enough that when a topic comes up, as they often do in a classroom, a topic comes up because of something in the news or something that happened at school, uh, the teacher has the wherewithal, the economic understanding to, to address that content right there and right then. Um, and they can't do that if they don't have uh, the content knowledge to do so. So we approach it from that perspective um, for those reasons. Um, I think, uh, again, other banks take other approaches. I, I would suggest, you know, starting small, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, have, I have a colleague at the University of Delaware, and after I meet with her, now Delaware's a small state, but after I meet from her, with her, I walk away thinking, gee, we really aren't doing very much. Um, <clears throat> so I have to always refocus myself and say, it's a different, different program, different project. Um, if, if I'm new to economic education, I'm going to suggest that people start small and offer a couple of programs and, uh, and make them really 
high-quality programs because then teachers will come back to you and you'll be able to begin to grow your program and learn from them what else they need to make it happen in the classroom. Um, and I think that's really valuable. Uh, and although we have a teacher portal, our econ Lodon portal, where we provide all kinds of online videos and online courses for teachers to use, and they're fabulous. I also think there's a need still for, uh, particularly with economics, for interactive uh, lessons in the classroom where students engage, um, do an activity, a simulation, a game from which you can teach. Some of that can be done electronically, and I think it will be in the future, and it'll be done very well. But that notion that the students engage with that content and learn through that engagement is really valuable when it comes to economic education. So whether you're developing a game for the classroom or a game online for the classroom, I think those are important things to, to keep in mind. And I can't say enough how important I really think economic education is for everyone. People need to understand the economy, how an economy operates, what they their roles in that economy. So starting small and building programs that really help people understand how they fit into the economic system, I think is, is really valuable. Right, yeah, no, so it's, it's about, I guess the, the approach that you've taken is to, is to, is to start with, with the schools and, and ingrain this, this economic education into the, the schooling system so that teachers can sort of year after year continue the, the work that you've, that you've laid out, which is, yeah, a highly commendable approach. Um, some might argue that, that, that this should be uh, the responsibility of, of, of the government, but um, that's, that's the same issue as, as central banks are facing in, in many other areas today. So, um, yeah, that's a, a highly commendable approach, um, and it seems to be working really with you guys. So, um, yeah, well done. And I guess sort of finally, I've I've been thinking about it a bit recently. Um, obviously, we're we're in a pretty fast-paced environment for financial technology, sort of payments, and 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 lots of aspects of our financial system are, are changing fairly rapidly from even just just financial investments and and means of investing and derivatives, and it's a fairly it's a fairly fast-paced environment and. I guess with it comes comes a an evolving sort of economic education, uh, or, or it's a, it's a sort of a, a moving target. So, I guess does economic education need to to continue to evolve? Do you think there are areas which it which it needs to needs to evolve sort of faster in to prepare students and and the public um, about maybe some of the risks or, or just some of the changes in in, in how our finances work um, into today's age? So uh, fintech is incredibly important. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's fast. This is the, the future. Um, and I think economic education can have a role in helping people understand mm. the topics that you've mentioned. Um, I think it's really important that economic education at the central banks have a role in that because uh, we can do it um, in... Um, a non-biased way. We're not we're not selling any right, commercial yeah. products, uh, and um, so I think it is part of our future. And we have to figure out what it is economic education can do. Uh, 
at, at this time, we approach topics like this through our page one focus on finance publication, which comes out four times a year. So it's topical. Uh, it's something anyone can read, but certainly um, teachers can use in a classroom. So that's one space where I see us being able to address some of these topics. I also think that we could um, consider addressing fintech topics in some of our videos. Um, we have a, a video on protecting yourself from online fraud that is, you know, just a little touch in that direction. But I think that we could develop other videos in our series that would be useful not just to students in the classroom, but to the general audience. Uh, so those are things for us to consider um, and, and continue to expand um, our offerings to address the needs of our constituents because those needs are changing, as you said, rapidly as the financial um, environment changes. And I think we need to be ready to provide the kinds of information that our constituents need to protect themselves and be prepared. Great. I think that's that's probably all we have time for today. So, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you very much for 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 joining joining me on the on the podcast um it's been it's been fascinating hearing about all your all your projects and 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 i and i'll, I'll be following the 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 projects in in the native american space and and this this fintech space which we touched on at the end uh, closely and i'll be uh, yeah i'll be intrigued to see to see how they get on well thank you so much for having me it was really an honor to be invited to be on the podcast and um, I really appreciate talking with you. So thanks very much. Great. Thank you very much, Mary. Mm -hmm.